Well, happy youth service to all of our youth. We are so glad you're part of the incredible body of Christ here at Calvary. We value each and every one of you. Out of water in your decanter is the number of weeks and days and years God has given you ahead of time. William is going to take a small spoon while I'm preaching. The whole time I'm preaching, water out of this decanter into this decanter. The water that leaves this decanter is a week of your life that's spent. And you'll see how the level will go down as I preach. So thanks in advance. You're going to have a sore arm, my brother, by the end of this sermon. Only the Lord knows the exact amount of water in each one of our decanters. It says in Psalm 139, verse 16, that he's predetermined that before we were ever conceived. It's an individual number. How you doing? <laughs> Stick with that. <laughs> you know, some of us think, all things being equal, that we'll have a lot of water in our decanter, a lot of weeks to live. In some cases, that's true. People can live to be 100 or even more than 100, sometimes in rare cases. In other times, we don't know how much water's in our decanter. And some of us who thought we had all kinds of water found out later we didn't. I think of my friend David Christie, died 19 years old, drowned body surfing in Hawaii. I think of Taylor Henninger, who was mocking or mimicking, I should say, Alice Cooper, the rock star, and tried to hang himself as a, in a mock way in his garage in my subdivision in Toronto, and he wound up hanging himself. He was 16. We never know how much water is in our decanter. And so the key becomes spending each spoonful, each week of our lives in ways that honor the Lord. If you turn your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy was the very last book that the Apostle Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write. He wrote 2 Timothy as the last letter of all the letters he wrote in the New Testament, and he died by execution three weeks after he finished this letter of 2 Timothy. And he knew he was going to die. It wasn't a surprise to him. So you can know that whatever he wrote by the Spirit moving him to write 2 Timothy was really, really, really important. He knew Timothy since Timothy was about 15 years of age, and Timothy probably was about 30 years of age as he began to pastor. So for 15 years, the Apostle Paul had a relationship with a young man named Timothy. He took him on a second missionary journey at the age of 15, probably. He built into this young man Timothy's life, and Timothy became an ordained pastor. He pastored a local church as a young man, probably in his 30s when he started. And may I just say that Timothy and Paul having a discipleship relationship that crossed the generations is what I am praying for this local church. That every young person in this congregation will have an older Christian of the same gender loving on them, encouraging them, asking regularly, how can I pray for you? Come with me and do ministry. Let me show you how I do my quiet time. I would like to see every younger believer in this congregation have one older mentor of the same gender. You pray about who you would go to after this service and say, can I be your mentor? If you don't do it at dismissal today, you might not do it. So strike while the iron's hot. So Paul and Timothy had a good long relationship of a spiritual nature. 
And you know, sometimes in life as we're spending our weeks, how you doing? <laughs> Take him out to lunch, somebody afterwards, he's going to have a sore right arm. Some things in life as we spend our weeks are obvious. Eat too much chocolate and you gain weight. Save money and you won't be in need when non-savers are in need. Some things are obvious. Uh, go out in a rainstorm and you get wet. Some things are obvious. Date a non-Christian and they might wind up faking salvation to marry you and then you have a whale of a problem. Some things are obvious. Hang around with bad company and you get to be like them eventually. Some things are obvious. Mess with drugs or gambling or weed or booze or porn and you will, you will become addicted. It's just a matter of time. Some things are obvious as you spend your weeks that idle time is the devil's workshop. Some things are obvious. Some other things aren't so obvious. My friend went to a special prayer meeting in Canada at the church I was pastoring. I didn't attend. Came back from the prayer meeting and I said, how was the prayer meeting? He goes, well, it was quite interesting. As we were praying, the man at the front was praying, and this is what we heard behind his prayer words. <laughs> the dust cover on his microphone caught on fire from the candle on the communion table. And so a helpful person in the back row called out during the prayer, your microphone's on fire. <laughs> some things are not so obvious. In 2 Timothy, Paul got to some of the things which probably were not so obvious to young Pastor Timothy. And three metaphors are utilized by Paul to point out the non-obvious but the important to Pastor Timothy. First, Paul told young Pastor Timothy, and I tell all the young people in the sound of my voice that know Christ, he's a, he was a soldier. That's verses 3 and 4. He told them he was like an athlete, verse 5. And third, he told them that he was like a farmer, a soldier, an athlete, a farmer. If you're a young person here, you are a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. How you doing? Everything good? Every week. One week of this life is going down. Every time he spoons. Remember that. That's how it works. Every week. You know, Sunday comes pretty fast for me. My weeks go by pretty fast. That's because that's what's going on. Now here are some things about the young church leader, Timothy, which we need to learn from other scriptures, things about him. First of all, Timothy was nervous. He had stomach problems. Second, Timothy was criticized simply for being young. Let me take these two separately. First, Timothy was nervous. Go hold your place where we are and go to 1 Timothy 5, verse 23, will you? 1 Timothy 5, verse 23. We're seeing that this Timothy was a nervous guy. 1 Timothy 5, verse 23. No longer drink water exclusively, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. Probably Timothy in his nervousness had developed an ulcer. 
Wine was a medicine back then. They didn't have Tums. They didn't have Pepto-Bismol. Wine was a medicine back then. We also need to know that wine back then was one-sixth the alcohol proportion of what we call wine today. They used this wine also as drinking water because the tap water, the regular drinking water, was not fit to drink. I understand some places on the island that's the case as well. And so Timothy was nervous. He had a bad stomach. And he should take a little diluted wine as a medicine. You know, I can relate to the fact that Pastor Timothy was a nervous young man because I sure was a nervous young man myself. I bit my nails until I was 45 years old. I was nervous. When I was at Word of Life Bible Institute as a young man in my early, early 20s, I had to leave Word of Life because I had tachycardia to the point that I would go faint. I know what it means to be nervous, and I know what it means for God to give victory over nervousness. Timothy was a nervous pastor. And I'm asking you, young person or older person, are you a nervous person? To you bite your nails? You expect the worst? Fear the worst? God can use you. God can use you. Secondly, Timothy was criticized simply for being young. 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. He was criticized simply because he was young. 1 Timothy 4, 12. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example to those who believe. People were looking down on him as a young pastor only because he was young. You know, there are some people in most bodies of Christ, most local churches, that are just gifted at criticism. It's their hobby. It's their warped way of looking at life to be a critic. They think it's their gift to be critical. Best thing they could do is wrap that up and give it back. Let me just say on Youth Sunday, I have never heard criticism of a pastor Nicholas Rogers. I haven't. I thank God for that. He's a great youth pastor who's doing a good job to God's glory and God's strength, and he and his wife are a dynamite team. We thank God for the Rogers. Going back to this concept of those who are so quick to criticize, in this context, criticize the youth, there are some grumpy and hard-to-be-around Christians that are good at joy-killing, and they demand perfection of the young people in a church. And by doing this, they convey that they are against the young people, and they convey that they are not expecting them really to amount to much, and they convey that they don't really love young people. Did you hear about the dog who could swim down 25 feet, catch two crawfish in his mouth, and swim them up to his master in the boat every time? 
The kind of critical Christian I'm talking about, if they were on the boat, would say, yeah, but can he do CPR? (laughs) Family, it's unfair to have impossible standards on young people in our church. Were you meeting those impossible standards when you were their age? Part of what defines bad parenting is demanding your child be who you are not yet. Relax. Don't crush the youth. Lift them up. Encourage them. How you doing? In, you're right-handed. In, in baseball, I'll call for the left-hander when we need relief here. When I was a young pastor, I graduated Dallas Seminary, and I started pastoring a church in Ontario, a solo pastorate. And part of the denomination I was in asked me to be the chairman of evangelism and church growth for eastern part of Canada. And I was had occasion to speak to an older pastor in the denomination And he always had an edge when he spoke to me. He always wasn't friendly. He was almost curt and rude. And so finally, I said to him, Don, did I do something against you? I don't think you like me. He said, oh, you're this young upstart at a seminary, and they give you this high-profile position for evangelism and church planning for Eastern Canada. Don, do you pray for me in that role? Do you pray for me? Um, No, I don't know. Don't criticize our youth. Don't squish them down. Don't stomp on them. Don't make them feel in any way, shape, or form that you're against them or that you don't love them properly. So going back to 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 7, each spoonfuls a week of your life. Paul, facing execution, taught young pastor Timothy, 30-something years old, some important things like, do not be mediocre. Like, do not settle for good enough is good enough. Like, expect hardships as a soldier. Like, expect that exertion will be needed like an athlete. Like, expect to have to work hard like a farmer. Let's take these one at a time. Paul wanted Timothy to see himself as a soldier. See it there in verses 3 and 4, would you? Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Will you notice that Paul himself was a soldier? He wasn't calling a young Timothy to be a soldier when Paul was not willing to be a soldier himself. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers suffer hardships. Soldiers follow orders. So what if you are a young Christian soldier? Well, then don't quit when it gets hard. And it will get hard. Don't quit. And block out all of your, all of your other voices who are barking at you and just focus in on the voice of your commanding officer, the Lord Jesus Christ. I, it's getting down. 
I train Labrador Retrievers when I was younger. And the thing about a Labrador Retriever is that you want them to do respond to your signals and your voice commands when they're far away. So if you want them to change what they're doing out there to retrieve a duck or a bird that's been shot down by you as a hunter, you blow a whistle once, the dog sits down, looks right at you, and you go back, or you go over, or over, that way, or you have another whistle command to bring the dog in. That's how I train my dogs. You know what one of the processes was in training a dog to do that? To have my sister get pots and pans and cooking utensils and to wail and make a racket while I was training my dog. So the dog would not pay attention to the racket of the pots and pans being banged together and still listen to me. Back. Sit. Over. Young person who is a soldier, you must learn to block out every voice other than Jesus Christ's in your life. If you love and know a young person who is a Christian soldier, uh, don't rescue them from everything they face. Part of being a soldier is in, to endure the hardships of war. A person was watching the cocoon of a monarch butterfly emerge on a tree by the branch by his kitchen window. And the day came when the monarch butterfly started to emerge from the cocoon. And it was struggling so hard, it was really working out. It wasn't getting out very easily, so he thought he'd be kind. He went out with a razor blade, and carefully he cut the cocoon so that the monarch could get out. And sure enough, it got out. And sure enough, it fell to the ground, unable to fly. And sure enough, it died right before the man's eyes. Because God has designed monarch butterflies to have to struggle to get out of their cocoons so their wings will be mature and strong so they can be a butterfly. If you know and love a young person who's a Christian soldier, don't rescue them from everything they face. Let them know God's strength in the battle. Second, Timothy was to understand himself as an athlete. Switch hands. He wanted young Timothy to know that he was an athlete, verse 5. And also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. Young persons that know Christ, you are athletes in competition. You are to compete according to the rules. You are to compete and play by the rules. You are to try hard and train hard. And you are to face the fact that not everyone you're competing with will play by the rules. Some will cheat. In hockey, if you trip somebody and he goes down, it's a penalty. But some hockey players cheat, and they, although they weren't really tripped, they dive as if they were tripped, and there's a penalty called for diving. You are Christian young athletes. You need to compete, realizing that some others around you are going to dive. Play against the rules. You play within the rules. God will honor you. And what if you know and love a young person who is an athlete? What should you do? Cheer them on. Especially when they're weary and discouraged. Especially when they have to compete against cheaters. Cheer them on. Be right at the steep hill in their cross-country race. Be right at the finish line of their cross-country race. Cheer them on. 
Cheer them on up the steep hills. Cheer them on through the finish line. The thing about water and weeks is you can't waste water and weeks, except you could be lacking them later when you need them. John MacArthur, one of my favorite Bible teachers, tells the story of going to visit one of the members of his church who was dying. And he seemed very agitated, and Dr. MacArthur said, what's troubling you? He said, I've never gained victory over pornography. The believer was 73 years old. You can't waste weeks and water and have them back later when you wish you had them. The third metaphor that Timothy was to consider himself to be like is like a farmer. Verse 6, the hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Farmers work very hard. Farmers ought to profit from their farm work. I like to say if you like to eat, thank God, thank a farmer, and thank a fisherman. What if you are a young Christian farmer? Then put in the hard work. Expect a crop and profit share from that crop. When I was a young person in my late teens and early 20s, I cut lawns. I gathered guys around me to cut lawns, sometimes 15 lawns a day. Hard work. But we had profit. We made money. We saved for college. What if you know and love a young Christian farmer then buy their crops. You say, what? They're working hard. They're pleasing Christ. They're a young person who's like a farmer. They're working hard. They deserve to reap benefits from working hard. What would that look like? Then reward their Christ-likeness by hiring them. Give them a job. How do you buy the young farmer's crops? By financially blessing them, if you can, to scholarship them going to summer trips of ministry privately and anonymously. Or by scholarshiping them for college anonymously. Pray for them. My hope is that a culture will be created where we who are older saints will go regularly to the younger saints in this congregation and put our hand on their shoulder and say, how's your week been? How can I pray for you this week? Make sure you're genuine. Make sure you do it. Young people cut right through phoniness. All is good. All is good. A week at a time. All is good. There's a poem I want to share with you by Linda Ellis. I read of a man who stood up to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. 
For that dash represents all the time, and now only those who love them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much you own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that their special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read, with your life's actions to be rehashed, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash? I'd like everyone who's here today, 25 years or younger, to stand right where you are, please. Twenty-five years or younger, please remain standing for a little bit. The name Timothy means one who honors God. You young redeemed persons, live please, live, to have it accurately said of you that you honor God. Even if nervous, honor God. Even if criticized, honor God. As a soldier, honor God. As an athlete, honor God. As a farmer, honor God. Honor God. 